Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi there, Simon Hughes and Simon Mann here, the analyst inside cricket, looking back at England's first one-day international in New Zealand, and perhaps looking at also New Zealand cricket as a whole and how often they produce unexpected results. They sort of punch above their weight. They're more than the sum of their parts. I suppose in a way that's become a bit of a cliche, Simon. But you know, actually, if you look at the the rankings, um, they're above England in the Test rankings and the T20 rankings. So although it's a small country, which we tend to forget, they do provide a, a major opposition in, in many formats. I've come to think of them as like the friendly assassins. You, you come here and it, it feels quite low-key cricket. The game the other day, it was a bit low-key. The crowd was quiet. And yet, at the end, New Zealand produced a thrilling victory, a stunning victory. I don't think England can come out of that game with a great deal of credit, actually. It was, it was a tight game, and England could have won the game, and they dragged themselves back into the match. But they had lots of opportunities in the match. They, they made a good score on a pitch that was slow and offered some turn. They got two spinners themselves, or three, I suppose, if you, you count Joe Root. They had New Zealand at 27 for three. Then they affected another collapse after that magnificent partnership between Latham and Taylor. And they looked good for victory and somehow somehow it was snatched away from them that's sort of the nature of of New Zealand cricket they thought they creep up on you You, you, underestimate them I think at your peril absolutely right I I like the way you you put it actually that that you underestimate them at your peril and um, I I draw a bit of a parallel actually with Scottish rugby of course England were were done by the Scots on Saturday in Murrayfield it was a difficult place to go to to play obviously Murrayfield but um, England have done pretty well in fact they haven't lost to Scotland for for 10 games but Scotland always threaten and it's always a difficult game that one going up to to Edinburgh to play against the Scots and of course there's a lot of Scottishness 
in New Zealand. I mean, actually, whenever I go to New Zealand, I always think it is a bit like Scotland, really, in the sense that it's obviously mountainous and, and, and quite wild and a lot of the people are into fishing and, and boating and sort of outdoor life. And, and they're very, very friendly, and yet they're also very, very feisty as well when it comes to sport. And we, I mean, they're, obviously, their rugby team, New Zealand rugby team, are famous, but their cricketers just come up... They produce things when you d- least expect them. That, that innings by Mitchell Santner to, to win the game was so totally unexpected. He's had a few problems recently. He was hit on the head and looked as if he'd sort of lost his confidence as a batsman, a bit like Stuart Broad has. And then he kind of changed tack completely, having tried to manoeuvre the ball around. Suddenly he just thought, well, sod it, I'm just going to go for it. And he belted Rashid for a couple of huge sixes and, and then he put one into the crowd off, the, off uh, I think it was Tom Curran, and then went nine to win off the final over four and a six and the game's done and suddenly England were sort of looking back thinking how the hell did they do that and I spent a bit of time in New Zealand playing cricket out there and it's it's a fascinating way that they go about their domestic cricket it's nothing like anywhere else in the world you think of this country with a massive space not many people you'd think there'd be lots of space for cricket grounds but actually domestic cricket is played on grounds which are sort of overlapping so quite often you'll have four games going on in the area where you'd only have one game or two games in England you've got overlapping boundaries to make sure that you fit all the the, the pitches in and so you'll be fielding at deep square leg in one game and you'll kind of short cover in the next game so if your game gets a bit boring you can always look at the other game and it takes you by surprise that you're watching your team and, and somebody in your side running into bowl, and then a fielder comes rushing across in front of you, chasing a ball from the next match, uh, which you know is going towards the boundary of, of their game, which is inside your boundary. So it's a slightly weird way they play, and um, you know they don't have sort of lunch and tea intervals in the same way as, as we do in sort of tr- traditional cricket in England. They have the interval, but there's no lunch laid out and and no sort of lovely spread or anything like that you have to go down the local market or the local deli and pick up a pie to eat uh, on your way back and sort of sit in the dressing room and then you go back out again it's a very sort of rudimentary way they play the game but they find ways of of being successful and someone like Ross Taylor you know a totally underestimated cricketer he's now gone past 7,000 one day international runs he's up there close to the top run maker in New Zealand cricket in history in, in, in sort of one day cricket and you don't think of him do you as someone who's a potential match winner I don't know whether teams go into games thinking oh we, we must get Ross Taylor out in the same way as they would have thought you've got to get Brendan McCullum out or Kane Williamson or someone but he keeps knocking the runs away he's got I think 18 one day hundreds so that's the sort of he's the essence of a New Zealand side that you can underestimate them. I think he's even underestimated here. Actually, I, I, you know, just that sense that you know when you think about star New Zealand cricketers, you don't necessarily think, oh, Ross Taylor, one of the the, the, the greats of New Zealand cricket. I think they'll they'll really miss him when he's gone. Thirty four years of age. You're right. Eighteen one day hundreds. The way he plays as well. That sort of scything cut shot that he plays down behind square on the offside, you think you'd better stop it. But they, England just couldn't do it the other evening. And he just 
tick the board over, over and over again in that area. England couldn't prevent him doing it. He made a 113. Actually, when they got him out, you thought, actually, that's it. Rashid has got the vital wicket. He's broken the game open. I, mean, I wonder what you actually thought of the way England bowled. I mean, you talked about England's bowling in 2020 cricket. What about the way England bowled in those closing overs? You mentioned... Tom Curran being hit for six for a full toss by Santner. Wokes, you know, going for six and four in the final over. Rashid bowling the, the 48th over as well. It's easy to say in hindsight they got it a bit wrong. But I think the, the problem with Curran is I think he is a, a clever bowler. But it goes back to the old cliche that we saw in the Ashes as well. Just lacks that extra bit of pace. And it means if you haven't got that extra bit of pace that the batsman's not worrying about the short ball. He might bowl the odd short ball, but you're not going to worry too much about it. So therefore you can set yourself to to pump him down the ground or pick him up over deep mid-wicket with a lot of confidence, knowing he can't get one into your head. You're not going to wear one off Tom Curran. Whereas obviously the really top-class death bowlers like Mitchell Stark you can just get one in the nose at 92 miles an hour. And that just makes you a little bit less confident when you think, well, I'll go down the pitch and and smack him over the top or, you know, ramp him or whatever. It's just a bit harder when you know they've got that lethal delivery up their sleeve. Wokes, yeah, he's pretty good at the death. But again, I think he lacks that sort of, that lethal quick ball that you can be surprised by. And his, his pace was down a little bit and you know if you do get the Yorker slightly wrong against guys like Santner and all the sort of big hitters that you see in the, the one day game now it can go out of the park especially on these small grounds actually you see people on Twitter now saying oh the only solution to stopping all the, the massive sixes is to make the grounds bigger well you can't can you I mean that's just one of the physical impossibilities of cricket can't suddenly make grounds any bigger in fact they're getting smaller the boundaries are coming in from the fence so even miss hits more often go for six so I, I think what England didn't do they didn't bowl any bouncers at uh, either of those lower order players especially Santner they didn't get, get him any one's up into his ribs or anything to to make him sort of flinch slightly. And I thought Rashid, while getting the, the wicket of Taylor with a brilliant delivery stumped when he was sort of setting his way to, to try and take victory for New Zealand, then he panicked. When he was struck by uh, Santner for a couple of sixes, he started bowling quicker and quicker instead of having the confidence to just throw another one up in the air. And he could have got a wicket then. And then that would have made New Zealand's job a little harder. So England still haven't quite got that death bowling right. Uh, they had Stokes, of course, in the wings in case they were going to go to him. But his track record in, at the death isn't particularly good either, although I think he's improved a bit since his experiences in the IPL last year. But, you know, they still haven't quite got the death options right. The other thing, of course, as well, is that Mark Wood and Liam Plunkett weren't in England's team and they are crucial bowlers there was a, a stage in the match when the Latham and Taylor partnership was flourishing when Owen Morgan was looking around thinking right who's going to get me a wicket he tried with Rashid Rashid looked the most likely in a way because there was some spin there and then you look around at the quicker bowlers Wokes was the man he, he went to and he brought Wokes back but of course on another day he has the option of, of Mark Wood to come back and bowl a couple of overs try and take a wicket. He has Liam Plunkett as well. That extra pace you were talking about. And England didn't have that 
available to them the other evening. I, mean, I, st- I still have that feeling that they, that they underachieved, that they should have won the game. I think that was that sense is when they came off. You know, how on earth did that game get away from us? They needed 41 New Zealand off four overs with three wickets left, you know, the lower order, no big player in. They just got rid of Taylor. They should have been able to close out the game. And also as well, I, think, I suppose it's a measure of England's success in the last couple of years in one-day cricket, and also as well what happened in, in Perth when Tom Curran took five wickets, you, you actually expected them to win. They they fought back really well from a position of, of strength in New Zealand when that fourth-wicket partnership was flourishing. They put on 178. And they, they looked to be closing out the game. And suddenly, four wickets fell. You thought, right, England are right back in this. They, they're going to win the game. That's what good sides do. That's what potential World Cup winners do but they weren't able to do it. The other aspect as well about the game was that England were playing on the sort of pitch that they played on in the Champions Trophy semi-final and they lost again. You know, a slow pitch, a used pitch, a ball that offered something to the spinners. It was interesting watching uh, Joss Butler sort of thrashing around or trying to thrash around towards the end and he, he couldn't really pick up the rate in the way that we're used to seeing him do. But having said that, 284 seemed a, a decent total for England. And, and when it was 27-3, you'd have backed them to defend it. So I'm not saying that they're not going to go on and, and do well in the series. They've got the confidence of doing well in Australia in that 4-1 victory. But it comes back to that point about New Zealand. They 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 seem better than the, the sum of their parts. They're, they're able to produce performances that you, you think, just looking at their lineup, you know, perhaps man for man, they're not quite as strong as England, but they are they are able to be extremely competitive and 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 don't underestimate them. You know, um, England still look to me like flat track bullies in one day cricket. They're very good at places like Trent Bridge or some of those Australian surfaces. Obviously, the Rose Bowl, the Aegeus Bowl in Southampton, those really flat tracks where they just bump the ball and keep going. And people like Butler and Roy and the the guys that really hit the ball cleanly are absolutely awesome. But on slightly stickier pitches, they're not quite as effective. And of course, New Zealand has a reputation for slightly trickier stopping surfaces. You know, you'd have been a a good cricketer in New Zealand, I reckon. (laughs) You know, bowling those sort of non-turning left-arm spinners and kind of scything the ball through the offside and and, and kind of, you know, ladling it through mid-wicket. That's the kind of cricket that you need in New Zealand. You want blokes who just bowl the ball, which occasionally turns and occasionally doesn't, and hit the ball in funny places. Someone like Ross Taylor, he's got no kind of aesthetic charm as a cricketer really he's very bottom-handed and as you say sort of carves it backward a point on the offside and shovels it through the leg side but it's incredibly effective and uh, yeah so England need a Simon Mann I think Uh, Samit Patel actually would have been a a good option I think for for England playing in New Zealand on one day cricket but of course he's out in the Pakistan Premier League instead he's just been um, ignored by England perhaps because of his fitness issues I don't know what quite but he would have been one I think that might have done pretty well out, out there what about Stokes has there been a lot of busyness around him the fact that he returned not particularly, actually. I mean, that's, that's, it's an interesting question because you'd expect there to be a bit of a, a hullabaloo surrounding his return. Obviously, there was focus, there was comment about it. He made 12 of the bat. He was dropped on two, a return catch to Trent Bolt, and then he tried to whack one over midwick and top-edged it, and Taylor came around and took the catch at, at short third man. So uh, d- disappointing with the bat. He helped get England right back into the game with the ball, although you could argue that it was an, an ill-judged 
shot by Latham that opened the way. He was he got a short ball. And he was caught at, at mid on, but then you know any wicket is a good wicket. And then he got rid of De Grandhomme as well, caught behind with a, a, a wide slower delivery that De Grandhomme miscued and thick edge through to Butler. So in in a sense, it was a quiet return from Stokes. Um, but clearly what he does do is he gives England that balance. He gives them extra options. Morgan was looking around for op- options. Uh, desperately didn't have Wood. He didn't have Plunkett. But it, it wasn't that he was short of bowlers. And also as well, he's not that he was short of batsmen. England had, look at their batting lineup. Uh, Rashid coming in at, at number 11, Curran at, at 10. That's what Stokes does. He just gives so many more options the England side. I mean, it will be interesting to see whether he does have an impact as the series goes on. But essentially, it was a a quiet return, and and so that's the nature of of cricket out here. I think in in a way there isn't that that hullabaloo. The crowd sat quietly and, and watched, observed, and uh, in a way they didn't have a great deal to cheer for a three quarters of the game. And then that partnership developed, and then they they got nervous because they thought New Zealand were going to throw it away, and then they're just the drama at the end really. Ten o'clock at night, and it all it all came alive for me for New Zealand. But essentially, it was a it was a bit like watching a an old Sunday league game in a way. Or you know, yeah, it felt like that. that, yeah, that, that watching was it on the, telly, actually. Yeah, that was yeah. the feeling. It, it it didn't feel like an international match. It, it was a, it's not an outground, the ground at, at Hamilton, but it it, it it has that feel. It has the feel of an outground, and it, it was it was all rather low key. You'll get used to. Uh... The, the the Kiwi expressions as time goes on as well. One, one of the things that caught me out actually was one of my first games. I was out, given out, caught off a shoulder or something, which was a terrible decision. And I walked off, and um, the oh. one of my teammates sort of stared at me in the dressing room, and he just said, "And I'm I'm not going to try and imitate the New Zealand accent because it's it, I'm in really bad at it." But he said to me, um, "You fair suck the Kumara there. That umpire's out in the wop wops." And I was trying to figure out what the hell he was talking about. The kumara is a, a, a bit like a, a squash, uh, a big kind of um, vegetable. And it, the outer surface, the outer skin, it really tastes bad. Uh, so when you're talking about sucking the kumara, that means you've had a raw deal and you know got a bad taste in your mouth. And then the out- umpire out in the wop-wops is the, the, the wop-wops is a New Zealand version for sort of out in the forest, out in the wild. So that's their way of saying someone's completely mad. Uh, you'll get that to a, a fair bit, I reckon, as you go. Listening to people like Ian Smith or Ian Smith's my favourite TV commentator, actually. I mean, he just manages to mix excellent knowledge with outrageous comment. It was always him, actually, who, uh, on the Channel 4 commentary years, and he was on commentary, and he'd say um, he'd been told that I was the analyst coming up with a piece in between overs, and so he'd always say, right, time to go down to the analyst, so you might as well go and make a cup of tea. Uh, Just just sort of threw me completely off guard when I was trying to make a serious point about the game, but he does manage to liven up when it's an exciting moment and he has just wonderful turns of phrase and knows the game brilliantly and he's the archetypal New Zealand cricketer a little bit overweight chunky doesn't look great as a batsman and yet I remember him once smashing the Pakistanis for 170 in a test match and coming down at number nine and just sort of taking bowlers apart 
and absolutely brilliant cricketer and a wonderful man. You'll probably get some of his hospitality if you end up in the uh, on the east coast somewhere like Hawke's Bay or Napier at any point. Well, we're going to miss out on Napier this time. We were supposed to be playing at Napier, but actually we're now in Taronga near Manganui, where the second one-day international is going to be played on Wednesday. And they had a big problem down at Napier with the with the outfield down there, so they had to move the match. It's going to be the fifth one-day international to be played on this uh, ground. New Zealand have played a couple of times against South Africa, and England got a bit to do. They've got to to win the game. If they go 2-0 down in a five-match series, they'll be really up against it. One other aspect uh, of the game the other evening, and in a way it was just a very small part of the game, although it could have played a big part of the game, was the last ball of England's innings. I mean, this is an an anomaly, not easy to say, that that could cause a a huge problem down the line in in a really big match. it caused a talking point the other evening. Last ball of England's innings, Willie on strike, given out LBW. They ran through for well, what the umpire thought would have been a leg by. But in fact, Willie got a big nickel. He was given out LBW and they completed the run. And of course, it's dead ball. So England lose the run. Now you could have a situation, you know, last ball of a World Cup final with three to win, bowl of bowls, hits the pad. The ball goes down fine on the offside or the onside of the boundary for four. The umpire gives the batsman out. The batsman reviews it, and it's shown to be not out. Pitched outside leg stump or hit him outside the line or he got an inside edge. And those runs would not count. You wouldn't get the ball again. And the team who actually, in a sense, you know, got the ball over the boundary and scored the winning runs would not be credited with them. And they would lose and it, it seems unjust. It's one of those situations, a real sort of str- one of those strange things that cricket throws up. And what the fielding side would say, of course, is, well, we didn't chase the ball to the boundary because the batsman had been given out or we didn't try to stop the single because he'd been given out. So you, you can see why the, the, the law is there, but it is a strange one. You can see a situation sometime in the future, of course, it might not happen, but you can see a situation where it, it could be absolutely crucial in the game. Actually, uh, it maybe needs a, a law adjustment there to to add a, a playing condition to any game where there's DRS in play that uh, everything is still live until not not. I suppose that if you said everything is still live, that would mean that the batsman could keep running while the umpires were debating whether it was out or not. But um, you'd have to kind of say the ball is dead as soon as the batsman reaches the crease at the other end if they're going for a run or if it goes over the boundary, the ball is dead, obviously. But the uh, potential for runs is still there if the out decision is overturned. Maybe they need to, to look at that. It's the MCC will have to consider that as they're the guardians of the laws of the game to, to add in a sort of little playing condition. There was lots of confusion. I mean, the, 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 television initially said 285. Some of the other scorers on the ground said 284. Of course, we got to the last over of New Zealand's innings. They needed nine to win. Everyone was thinking back to that incident that the local television here played the incident again before the final over with nine runs needed. As it happened, it, it didn't matter because Santner was brilliant. He hit Wokes for four and six, six to, to win the game. He's a Hamilton boy. Sander, so it didn't matter. But it, it is something that 
could be looked at. But the thing about it is, of course, is you know it has happened now in the England innings. It, it happened to, to James Taylor in the the World Cup match between England and Australia when he was on 98. Actually, he was given out LBW and then, then there was a run out and Anderson was given run out incorrectly. So the, these things have come up in the past. So the ICC can't say, oh, we weren't, war-, you know, we haven't been warned about this, it, you know, it, and it's caused controversy. We hadn't foreseen it. We have fore- foreseen it. We have seen incidents like this and definitely needs to be addressed because you, you you could have an absolutely ridiculous situation sometime in the future which could cost a team victory when you know they actually deserve to win well lots to play for of course for England four more one day internationals to go and I can highly recommend after the next game if you've got time popping up the coast to the Cathedral Cove area because the Coromandel Peninsula, which is on the east side of New Zealand, the North Island, is my favourite place in the world. I mean, the beaches, the lifestyle, the slightly tropical vegetation, the low-key nature of, of life there. You can just sort of wade out into the, into the fairly calm, very clear sea and, uh, and, and fish for cockles you know, in the sand and get a few shellfish up and stuff. Uh, absolutely wonderful. It's the old line about New Zealand that... The air is so clear that from the top of a hill you can see back 40 years and it's it's a bit harsh about New Zealand but actually in the Coromandel Peninsula it is a bit like time suspended, it's like a time warp. If they were to, to, to create a programme where you could completely escape from the world I think it should be on the Coromandel Peninsula so you should try it. Any chance of getting up there? Possibly, but not necessarily, because I think that the, immediately after the game on Wednesday, we fly to Wellington for the for the next match. It's quite a, a relentless schedule. What I would say from previous trips to New Zealand is absolutely stunning country to visit, and it, it, it is that sense of space here that that there is a, a, a small population and there's lots of space, and it it's hard to think of a, a sort of ugly part of New Zealand. It, it, it's absolutely beautiful. It's definitely a country worth visiting and it makes a, a cricket tour out here an absolute pleasure it, it, it really does um, and it, it just comes back to that whole point of we're making at the start it's all it, you, you get lulled into a false sense of security before you know it you've lost the one day series and you've lost the first test match and you're heading home with your tails between your legs you're a very friendly place everyone's so nice to you and then get packed off at the airport and you've lost everything. Well, as I'm staring out at a blizzard in London, um, I'm very envious and I'm going to drop a line to the New Zealand Tourist Board to get sponsorship for this podcast uh, for for next week. So uh, look forward to talking to you then and uh, thanks for listening. Goodbye for now. Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.